Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, the mediocre podcast watching Mad Max Fury Road one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 58, which begins with Joe promising Nux glory. And it ends with Rictus harpooning the war rig. Joining us this week is returning guest Professor Christy Porter from the Indiana Jones Minute podcast and brand new guest Thomas Howarth from the Never Ending Minute. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Christy, it is good to have you back after so long. Thank and you. Thomas, it is great to have you for the first time. We were commenting off microphone that you have been gracious enough to invite me on several of your projects, and I have never before now returned the favor. Criminal, my friend, criminal. <laughs> yeah, so despite me being a terrible person and awfully neglectful of a friendship, it's nice to have you here. <laughs> it is so great to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Three seasons, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> so we kick right into the action with today's minute. We're following up something that started last week where Nux has volunteered to get on the rig because he knows all the little passageways and whatnot. And despite his offer to paralyze Furiosa, Joe says, no, just put a bullet in her. So he's got the gun and now he is being anointed by the silver spray by a Morton Joe promising him in this minute that Nux will ride eternal, shiny and chrome. And Nux is practically weeping. He is so just overwhelmed with emotion right now. Like, how, how do you come up with a ceremony like this? Where I mean, and how much aerosol spray do you have in these dark ages that this is, this is the way you anoint your warriors? Maybe that's one thing that is an additional specialness about this ceremony is that that aerosol chrome spray is precious it's rare it's hard to come by it must sure. be hard to come by because wh exactly where would you get more of it hmm. and i was wondering why it's not itself lethal although it does not seem to be lethal should be lethal feels like it should be lethal but then i guess you couldn't you know do that last battle thing I mean, I'm sure it doesn't taste that great either, and it goes right into his mouth. His teeth are shiny and chrome. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. You would think with something like this, that is meant specifically to preface suicidal acts, that it would be like a quick-acting steroid or something like that, that would hop them up, make them crazy, and then give them maybe like three to five minutes of just Herculean strength and energy to go do something suicidal, and then... If the three to five minutes run out, then you're just dead anyway. Right. Like make it like a, a super whip it or something, you know? <laughs> right. Maybe maybe some uh, PCP. PCP would do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah, that'd be nice. Be bonkers. But we have already seen Nux do this to himself once. Mm -hmm. Right. With almost no repercussions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you just need a second coat of paint. His sanity <laughs> isn't all there. So I'm thinking there are some repercussions to this. He's he's going after, you know, doing something suicidal. So to say there are no repercussions, I think it's affected him mentally a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's that's a that's one of my questions, actually, is this. Um, so how sane is this character? He He's actually quite purposeful. We like to throw around the word insane. But when you really look at Nux, I think it's just youth and belief. Like he's grown up as a war boy all his life. And so he's fully devoted to the cult of the V8. So I think we can look at him and say, oh, he's insane. He's crazy. Well, no, he's just deeply religious in his own way. Oh, I like that idea. 
He is deeply religious. Yeah. Would you call him a fanatic? Fanatic, definitely. That was the word on the tip of my tongue, yeah. Yeah. And would you call him a nut? <laughs> because that's what his name means, right? Well, you know, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. yeah. Name means nut or or means um, something worth no value. So then there's a question for me. So is this guy a nut or is this guy really of uh, no value to anyone? And yet he's so valuable, right? Yeah, I think maybe it's, if you want to get deep, deep, maybe it's his own or what the current regime thinks of as his value, the value they assign him. So is that valuable or not valuable? I would say to them, he's not very valuable. He's just one of many. He's a pawn that can be, you know, thrown whichever way you want. Okay, Um, okay. But hear me out here. So his name is also the root of nucleus. Nucleus is really important. Nucleus is is a singular purpose, something with a singular purpose. Hmm. So here are our choices then, I would say. (laughs) He he is nux of no value. He's nux like he's nut, singular. Or (laughs) he's nux like uh, he's the nucleus, at least, of uh, with a singular purpose, small but mighty. Why can't he be all three? Because <laughs> I, th- I hadn't thought of that. How's that. I think there definitely are elements of all three in his character. And I think that also plays off. If you look at this movie, there's a lot of threes happening. There are three spires of the Citadel. You have three warlords between Joe, the bullet farmer and the people leader. You've got three aspects to Nux based on his name. A lot of very strong foundational shapes going on here. Cool. I like it. <laughs> All right. And I could definitely see with Nux meaning nil. Yeah, he is a faceless war boy, one of many, but he does stand out, I think, as going to the nucleus idea, the emotional heart of this movie, one could say. Oh, definitely. He's the one that has the most character development from beginning to end. He absolutely does. He's the one that does. changes the most. He absolutely does. How do they get their names, do you think? That's an interesting question. I was poking through the comic book that was written to go with the movie. And when they introduce Nux, they just sort of introduce him as this little baby child. And his parents were some of the wretched. And they were just down in amongst all of the other refugees there. And one day Nux waddled over to the great elevator, grabbed onto the side of it and rode it all the way up. And then as they brought him in amongst the war boys as a war pup, they just called him Nux. Oh, yeah. Okay. The uh, explanation in the book about the idea of Nux is specifically that he's a hard nut to crack. That's what. Oh, okay. So it is nut as a nut. That's what it says. Okay. (laughs) Well, they're going to tell us (laughs) straight then. I've got the documentation. I've got the receipt for that one. So he was a hard (laughs) nut to crack, maybe because he's got such um, strong purpose or focus or something. Mm. And I guess you could also say that he's got the junk to do what's necessary. He's, you know, brave as well. But just the singular then. I'm just yeah, asking. Just one. Yeah. Just, just one. <laughs> okay, well, we're all broken. You don't know what's happened during his time as a war boy. <laughs> he's kind of a Lance Armstrong situation. Oh right. my word. So we're all we're all broken in some way, I guess. So yep. um okay. All right. Nux has got his chance to shine in this instance, and so Joe shouts up to his son. Rictus, help him aboard. And as Nux climbs up to the back of the Bigfoot, we've really got a missed opportunity here for Nux to do his best John Reese davies impression. <laughs> yeah. Just look up at Rictus and say, 
Don't tell the elf. Don't tell the elf. Don't tell the elf. <laughs> yep. Pretty good. Pretty you know, good. and with the confidence that Nux approaches Rictus in this and Rictus being ready, they have to have done this before. <laughs> like, do they practice throwing each other at things? I don't want to go right out and say that Rictus has thrown Nux around, but we've talked about this before, that if you cross Joe in a certain sort of way, you get tossed from the top of the Citadel. I would like to think that Rictus is the one that does the tossing. Oh, okay. Gee. So I don't think he's tossed Nux before, but I think he's tossed other war boys and people in general. I'm trying to look. Is the, It looks almost looks like there's a handle on the back of his pants that Rictus grabbed onto to launch him. <laughs> Man, that is not a good uniform. If your uniform has a handle for throwing you, you know you are not one of the better ranks, I would say. It's a bold design aesthetic, I'll say that much. <laughs> he also gets this moment of like, I don't know if you guys have watched Ridiculousness, the TV show with bloopers and stuff. Just little tiny snippets of it. <laughs> right, well, there's this... Uh, bit that he has where he, it's called scorpion and it's all about when you face plant and your legs go over mm. your back and touch your head oh yeah yeah <laughs> he's got a little bit of that going on as well sure does yeah sure does. not graceful at all no certainly not although he does get a really solid grip on the top of that tanker but ugh, something has fallen loose in that throw and as Nux moves to stand up, his chain has fallen out of, I think he had it stuffed in his pocket or looped on a mm-hmm. accessory or something mm-hmm. like that. And now it's just flailing about loose, which is not something you want to have happen when you're dealing with a graded floor situation, as we very quickly see. Right. Yeah, it's a real shame that he didn't have a chance to cut it off. I know he's been very much go, go, go just as much as the rig has. So he hasn't had a chance, but it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Although, had it not caught up like this, it would have made for a fantastic weapon, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sort of a Ghost of Sparta situation. Right. <laughs> he'll put mm-hmm. a knife on the end of it and start swinging it around. <laughs> I mean, he's already painted white. All he'd need is a couple of red stripes, and he would be good to go. Right. <laughs> for all of our God of War players out there with the PlayStations. <laughs> I think it's nice to know that Rick just did actually ask if he was ready before he threw him, though. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to say? So polite of him. He's such a meathead. I don't think we give Rictus enough credit sometimes. Like, he's such a meathead. He's such a... Who's the jock in Revenge of the Nerds that just shouts nerd? I can't remember. Ogre. Ogre. Yes. Is who he would be. Because <laughs> he's pretty much an ogre to begin with. The guy is huge. He is. There's this great piece of cinematography as he hits the end of the chain as well with the gun flying out of his hand. And they did this great thing. It's probably CGI where it's coming directly at the screen. And it was probably used for, I'm guessing, 3D effects as well. Yeah, because when they released this, you were able to see it in 2D or 3D. So this is probably one of those instances specifically where they said, okay, well, we got to make it worth the extra 5 to $7 to see it in 3D. So let's throw a gun at the screen. <laughs> right, right. And I'm sure it looked great in 3D, but I don't think you need to see it in 3D for it to be great. No, True, not at all. It, it looks cool as is. This movie would be terrifying in 3D. Did you guys <sighs> see it in 3D? No. 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 I did not. 
We're yeah. not the kind of people that run out and see things in 3D just because it doesn't seem as fiscally wise, <laughs> you know? What about you? What do you guys think about 3D versus 2D? It depends on the movie for me. If it's one that I've been looking forward to for a while and I, I imagine that they've put enough effort into the 3D portions, I'll usually plan on seeing it twice, once in 3D and once in 2D. Like Star Wars movies, I usually plan on seeing twice, mm. one in each format. Oh, I can't even imagine Star Wars in 3D. I'm sorry. I'm 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 I I lived in a in a town for a long time without a movie theater, so that's how behind I am. But still, this is much too scary for 3D, and I'm I would be pretty distracted by 3D here. Heck, I'm distracted through the whole movie. This is a really distracting movie, and yet you can't be distracted. You got to stay focused, <laughs> or you'll miss something. You're gonna miss something. So I didn't I didn't notice that um a good opportunity for the gun. Uh, flying right at the camera that way. What's crazy about this shot, yeah, the gun flies by, but the way that Nux is wrenched backwards when he reaches the end of that chain, I'm actually a little surprised he didn't dislocate his shoulder. Right. He hit that pretty hard. Do you think that's Nicholas Holt there? No. No, I think that's no. a stunt guy. Yeah, just based on the number of stunt guys they had. One thing that I'm sure of is that when they shot this scene the rig was stationary. Oh, right. That's the lovely thing about CGI in this day and age is beforehand for Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome, if they needed to do stunts on a moving vehicle, they just shot really low angle where you couldn't see any of the ground, which is why they were shooting in the middle of nowhere. But nowadays you can just digitally make the ground move. Right. To make it a bit safer. So I definitely think there was a stunt guy that had to do that wrenched arm spin around roll across the taker. Wow. And... I'm watching him do it, and he's got his arm flexed. Like, for being a Half-Life war boy, he's no slouch when it comes to arm day. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, about their physical fitness. Like, that takes a lot of work. So, do they really have, like, physical fitness facilities? Maybe the produce that they grow is just high in protein. Like, they grow a lot of lentils or something. A lot of soy-based products. Which, hey, if the war boys are actually soy boys or whatever like yeah that would probably do wonders for building up muscle but it's like you gotta have a little bit of variety and if they're eating nothing but beans i can only imagine what the citadel actually smells like oh Oh, my goodness yes yes indeed that wasn't me i didn't do it no i'm sorry i hit something sorry about that (laughs) yeah they've got to have a workout plan i mean because he is also kind of wiry though too i mean he's not like bulky yeah he's not a walking wall of muscle and meat like Rictus would be, but he's probably out in the yard lifting weights with the other war boys, that sort of thing. Yeah. Hanging out in the CrossFit gym, taking those giant tires (laughs) and rolling them end over end. They've got plenty of tires. It makes sense to me, at least. You use what's in your environment, you know. You don't have to have a a Nautilus. You can just lift some tires. Cross-training, then. Yeah. So Furiosa must have been uh, trained that way, too, I suppose. I imagine so, yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, with how well she was able to hold her own against Max, there's got to be some sort of combat training that these guys get alongside the physical training that they undergo. Do you think she's the only uh, female Imperator? Am I I saying that right? Periator? Oh, we uh, were talking about that subject the other day, weren't we? We were. It was actually in the episodes we had to re-record, so oh. to us it was the other day, but to our listeners it was several weeks ago. Well, it was an other day. Yes. 
But I think... We decided that, yeah, she seems to be the only one. Yeah. She's like a Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's, she's not really like a Tigger. <laughs> oh, that's right, because in the lore of Winnie the Pooh, there are multiple Tiggers, right? No, it's because she really, she is the last person to be described Tigger-like. <laughs> she's oh, okay. Just, she's just like Furiosa. Bouncy, tigger. something, Furious. something, something, fun, 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 fun. Fun, 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 fun. Mm, yeah, no, she's I, lacking yeah. the fun, 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 fun part. <laughs> nice try, though. Yeah, we try. So with Nux hanging off the side of the tanker, we get one of the most commonly referenced lines in this movie. Joe takes one look at Nux and his failure, and he utters one single word. Mediocre. Mediocre. (laughs) When I first saw this movie, I loved this line. I thought it was so great. And then the line got memed into oblivion. Like it popped up everywhere complete media saturation with this whole mediocre thing and honestly i i don't know if it's an overexposure thing but i just it feels a little less weighty to me now because i saw so much of it before and i had not seen those memes so this seems like a perfect choice i could see where you wouldn't want to keep hearing it over and over and over again but it's a perfect choice it feels like an old word and um feels like uh you know, and we see it a couple of different times, a couple of different places, and it just couldn't be more contemptuous. Yeah. You know, really, I mean, these people have really done a terrible job. It's not like they missed eternal life. It's that they were mediocre. I mean, it was just horrible. Right. Yeah, I'm not surprised to find that when I open up Twitter and type in mediocre under GIFs, this is the second one available. <laughs> oh, is it really? Oh, my yeah. word. So still, still. Right. Whew. Powerful word, mediocre. (laughs) Julia, what do you think? I think along those same lines of it becoming a meme and becoming less meaningful for you, Rick. So this is like a catchphrase, I guess you would call it, of Joe's. But we've actually already heard somebody say mediocre in the movie. Slit said it to Morsov. And it seems like Slit is the kind of guy who would do everything he can to emulate Somebody who is big and powerful. So I'll bet Slit uses that word a lot. And every time he does, it makes it more and more common, which makes it less and less special. And it dilutes its power. Mm. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. (laughs) (laughs) And the look of disdain on his face, too, is, is pretty classic. Mm. That you can show that much emotion with that much of your face covered up says something about your acting. Absolutely. And he oh, does a great sure. job. <laughs> when we switch over from looking specifically at Joe to looking at Nux hanging from the side of the tanker, the look of hurt on mm. Nux's face that the Immortan Joe looked right at him and pronounced him to be mediocre. This wasn't ribbing from his Lancer or anything like that. This was the big guy himself. Yeah. Wasteland Santa Claus saying, you don't get any presents this year. It's nothing but coal for you because you're (laughs) mediocre. And Nux's life must be falling apart right now. You think Nux actually heard him say it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like Point Break. You can just hear people. (laughs) 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 Doesn't matter if you're driving or skydiving or doing anything like that. You can hear people. Gotcha. At least that's how I'm operating. 
I'm wondering, just as you're saying that, I'm wondering if this actually destabilizes him to the extent that we see quite an arc for this character. So I wonder if he is so dissociated by that or so disrupted by that claim of mediocre that he actually is open to new ideas like, hmm, maybe I'm not the guy everybody has always told me that I am. Not that he would be having all those words and those that kind of clarity of thought in the moment. Mm. But I'm wondering if he's kind of starting to shift there. Yeah, I mm. think this definitely motivates some character change in him, some some light thoughtfulness about where he's headed in, in his lack of life. Yeah, see, that was much better said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, say yeah, that. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> we don't get to hear Nux's thoughts on the situation until we get much later on in the story. I'm pretty sure we have to wait until not this upcoming Friday, but the Friday afterwards, minute 63. That's where we get that little tete-a-tete between Capable and Nux, where he's going to start talking about how he feels following this situation, which I'm pretty sure that they don't have a good counseling situation in the Citadel, that when it comes to talking about feelings, they just Not too healthy, don't. no. Yeah, <laughs> no. Not so many feelings. No. I don't imagine there's a good therapist for the War Boys. Yeah. There probably even aren't self-help books or, you know, like a lending <laughs> library or anything. So no. Mm -mm. That's right. They save all of the books for inside the harem. So they don't even have any of the sort of health self-help books whose titles that a normal person would probably be able to just rattle off the top of their head. But I've got no reference for. <laughs> so I'm just going to trail off without offering any. Quite all right. Nux seems like the kind of guy that fails at almost everything he does. He's not the uh, the go-to guy. And I think he saw this as his chance to advance. And when he failed completely again, he's like, what am I doing this for? Well, see, that's the thing about Nux is that it's not like he fails because he's not skilled or anything like he's incredibly clever and adaptive. Nux is a valuable war boy. He's able to do cool things. It's just he's so outmatched. I think that's the biggest thing. And also, he is physically encumbered. Mm -hmm. That might be the biggest mm -hmm. thing against him. And that's why Slit thought he could just take Nux's car away from him. Because right. Nux, you know, if you can't stand, you can't go to war. Right. He wouldn't exactly be in the position he is right now if he didn't have Max's crazy blood filling him up. <laughs> yeah. That right. high octane <laughs> insanity. I can't even tell you how much is wrong with that medically. There, there, <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't work the way they want it to. But I'm a willing to overlook it because it, you know, it worked really well in the movie. Yeah, that that's the route we've had to take. Mm -hmm. we've, we've talked about, you know, how much blood he's lost and and if that's even physically possible. <laughs> We're still waiting for someone to give us an excellent answer of exactly how much he could have lost. The trouble is, you know, we're pre-recording these so far ahead of time. <laughs> Just because it's the end of July, as people are listening to it, that doesn't mean that it's not also the beginning of April for us. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Here I go shattering the illusion again. <laughs> You've mentioned that people have about five quarts. Is that right? Or is that it five liters? Right. Something. Something like that. And it yeah. circulates about once, a, once per minute. I mean, we really can move some blood. So I want to know why there were there wasn't a whole lot of blood all over the dirt, you know, because they're not very gentle with these things. 
It's almost like they weren't trained. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't know it wouldn't work that way. Well, all right. (laughs) And if it's not five quarts of blood, don't correct me. Yeah. Let me live in my fantasy. Don't at me. (laughs) They might not have a big team of phlebotomists there at the Citadel, (laughs) but what they do have are excellent drivers. Yes. So as Nux is left hanging on the tanker, Joe accelerates, and he's not really able to get ahead of the tanker normally, so he has to do something a little crazy. He does this nice swerve and Dukes of Hazard jump mm-hmm. across the canyon. And if you pause it just right, you could almost hear Waylon Jennings coming in and talk about how, <laughs> oh, looks like that and Morton Joe's in boys. trouble. <laughs> Better get to the county line before Sheriff Coltrane catches up with him. I don't know about you. No, he'd say something. Yeah, he does some kind of weird Apollo 13 slingshot maneuver. I don't know what speeds him up exactly that much, but yeah. (laughs) It's so amazing. And as they hit the ground, you can actually see there is an Imperator hanging off of the left side of the vehicle that human shielded Joe against Furiosa's gunfire. And it's at this point when they hit the ground that that Imperator is now off of the Bigfoot. He is left behind in the dust. Oh. Yeah, I'm surprised everybody outside that vehicle is not off the truck. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Should have been a lot more bodies, that's for sure. Rick just should have been gone. (laughs) Or at least the Imperator that's hanging off the right side of the vehicle, the one with the crossbow, which... oh, He's not long for this situation anyway. He brings a crossbow to a gunfight, and he gets both barrels from (laughs) Max and Furiosa. There's another person that should have at least dislocated an arm. (laughs) With the way he landed and kept holding on. I don't know what it is about these Imperators, but they have incredible grip to hang off the side of these vehicles. Right. There must be like a special handle or something. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. It's probably a qualification. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see these guys doing uh, American Ninja or something. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh my stays- gosh, they'd wipe the floor with everyone. Yeah, their grip strength is amazing. We sometimes talk about mutation in the wasteland. It could be that they have mutated hands that have, instead of one thumb and four fingers, they could have three fingers and two thumbs, which would make them specifically qualified to be in this job. I had no idea. (laughs) That was beautiful. Yeah, you learn learn something new. I don't see the attraction in that idea because I think they're magnetic. (laughs) (laughs) just slap their hand on the top of the middle see that's why they got to peel away all the paint and the exterior stuff so that you could put the hand on bare metal and it'll stick like a magnet (laughs) exactly oh my gosh how funny then they could never take their hands off of things though yeah Hmm. they have to drag it to the edge of the metal and then just kind of slide it off (laughs) i have to quote a line from my favorite movie of current resolution that's keep sticking keep sticking stop sticking stop sticking (laughs) (laughs) or as we see joe driving along he gets to peer through the side window of the back seat at all of his wives and he is just glaring at them because they should have stayed put how dare they go outside and the dag in her unique way takes the opportunity to hiss out the word schlanger at joe it was another new word for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much what you think it is. Pretty much. I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a chance to look it up, so do inform me, please. We were first introduced to 
the magical word schlanger back when Max first got into the war rig and he was first interacting with the wives. And schlanger is a very German sounding play on the word schlong. Okay. Meaning he is that phallic sort of individual, which I feel is appropriate for Immortan Joe. Sounds right. She was awfully brave to say so out loud, though. I mean, you know she has wanted to say that to him how many times and probably has not been able to. And she is now able and she's she's pretty daring about it. She's in she's in a bad situation. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know how how anybody is going to come out alive or whether she's going to get recaptured. And here she is calling him names. You go the dag. Well, that's what happens when your name is the Dag. I know. The do you dag. go with your article, or do you just go, you know, Sans article when you're being call- when you're calling yourself yourself? I don't know. Go me again. Go more, me. more. How do they get their names? Kind of thing, you know. Like, who comes up with this? Uh, did uh, so the. I understand that this is this is more slang for uh, someone who's eccentric or idiosyncratic. Well, from my research, the origin of something being called a Dag is that it's pretty much a dingleberry that has to be cut out from the back of a sheep, but it has evolved over time to mean someone who is pretty much like the dag. Uh, excellent use of dingleberry. Yes. Excellent <laughs> use of dingleberry. I, mean, I, I, I knew exactly what you were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my family of origin, they were called Klingons, but still. <laughs> still, we all know. We all know. So if it's specific to a sheep, all right. Yep. Good to know. It's a fun little detail. Someone who's certainly having a lot of fun is Rictus, who has mounted up. He's not able to use his flamethrower because the Imperators said not to, but he also has that harpoon gun, and he launches that harpoon through Max's window and buries that harpoon right into the dashboard. Mm-hmm. And it is not ideal for a driving situation. Max has to be the luckiest dude in the world right here. Mm-hmm. Well... First of all, that his hand doesn't get harpooned. (laughs) Second, that this chain doesn't whip him in the face and either cut part of his face off or kill him or knock him out. I mean, he gets very lucky with the placement of this this thing. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder where Rictus was aiming. Like, was he shooting for the steering wheel? Is he just that good or is this just where it landed? Julia, what do you think? I think this is just where it landed. I think Rictus... Had good intentions, but I'm not sure that he necessarily has the cleverness or the skill set to have done that on purpose. Yeah, that's I'm thinking to the flamethrower. He was playing with the flamethrower. <laughs> that's interesting. I actually, when I watched this, I thought this was like their normal modus operandi. Like, this is what they do. Mm. They disable these vehicles by doing something like this. Take out the steering or something like that. I'm not totally disagreeing. I just know that my first impression was like, this is how they always do it. That was mine too. And I thought at this point and at a couple of other points in the ongoing battles, I was thinking, man, the strategy that these people use to boost their speed or avoid or evade or take down other vehicles that are doing all sorts of crazy things i was really impressed with that so i kind of thought it was on purpose but i can certainly see that maybe he doesn't have the uh forethought or refinement or executive function to (laughs) to plan that sort of a thing but i was really impressed i thought that was a great move now if he was named for that what do we think he was aiming for then hmm the vehicle in general yeah to get it into the side of the vehicle although i do like the idea that rictus is in his element 
And this is what they do. They go out and they steal vehicles. So if he knows how to do anything, it's how to stop a vehicle. Yeah. In like a thousand and one ways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is a pretty nice scope on that thing. <laughs> the little triangle scope that he has on the, the harpoon launcher. True. Although he's right up next to him, so I'm not sure he needed it. <laughs> Let me just check out my scope. Oh, there he is. <laughs> But that pretty much brings us to the end of the minute. We've got that harpoon stuck in the dashboard or the console or whatever you want to call it. And we got to wait till Wednesday before we see what happens to it. But before we go, Thomas and Christy, we need to know where else people can listen to you. Thomas, why don't you go first today? Sure, sure. As Rick mentioned at the beginning of the minute, I previously completed the never ending minute going over the never ending story one minute at a time. Uh, One of my childhood favorites. And then since then, I've actually stepped away from the minute by minute focus. And I currently do a D&D podcast where we play and you guys get to listen to us have fun and do scary things and spooky things. And that's Crit Storm Cast. All right. And I can be found um, sometimes on the Indiana Jones Minute with Tom Taylor, Jerry Porter and Pete Mummert and lots of uh, fun, fun guests. So they are over on the Indiana Jones Minute. So definitely check those things out. I've been listening to all of it, and I have yet to hear anything that isn't worth listening to. (laughs) Which is an odd way to say things, but hey, at the end of the day, don't I always just say things a little bit odd? I think that's why they're here. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be coming back on Wednesday. We get to see the steering wheel break away. Ang Herod will save Max, but dot dot dot. Is there anyone that can save her? (laughs) The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Bautista of DanielBautista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 58 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>